Like, why are you doing it? And to me, the point of it, and this is the dimension that I think is currently missing, is to be there for other people in the best way that you possibly can be, or to be, to show up in the world in a more compassionate, more generous way, and to make it, you know, to, to kind of leave your mark in a positive way. And so for me, that's what community care is all about. Obviously taking care of ourselves is really important. And I think that it's come to the forefront for a lot of us over the last two years. But with respect to the second piece, I just think that we want to, it's helpful to keep that in mind because I personally don't think that lasting fulfillment or meaning or happiness come just from satisfying our own needs. We have to take care of ourselves so that we can go out and transcend ourselves. Yo, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. If this is the first time that you've pushed play, thank you for taking time out of your day. We are a community of like-hearted human beings who span 116 countries all around the world. We are united in this belief that when we lead with love, when we come to the world from love rather than for love, we leave everyone and everything around us a little bit better than when we found it. If you'd like to come and join some like-hearted humans, come and search us out on Facebook. Head to We Are Always Better Than Yesterday and come and join us. I simply ask that you come as you are and hopefully you will leave a little bit better. A little space, a corner of the internet where you can come and connect with some awesome human beings, get some inspiration and hopefully leave a little bit better, as I said. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today on episode 154, I'm really excited to bring to you Stephanie Harrison. Stephanie is the founder of The New Happy. It's one of those Instagram pages that when you come across, you're just like, this is incredible. I just love the work that Stephanie puts out on the New Happy Instagram page. Check out her website. There's also a, a newsletter, a blog, and a podcast. And what I hope you hear in the next 30 to 40 minutes is the flaws in the old version of happy and what Stephanie's take on the new happy is. And uh, go and check out the Instagram page. Go and be inspired by the incredible way that Stephanie has taken uh, intricate, complex ideas and um, and maybe phrases and sayings and thoughts and, and emotions and put them into such simplistic, beautiful designs, easy to understand and that have the power just to simply validate, I think sometimes, simply validate our experiences and leave us again a little bit better than before we'd seen them. So I hope you enjoy. This is episode 154 with Stephanie Harrison, the founder of The New Happy. Enjoy, my friends. Stephanie, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well today. Thank you. And how are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Um, do you know what? Like, because I have a podcast, I've got this platform where I get to have great conversations with great people. And, and I, 
And I've developed this sense of knowing like who mm. I would love to have conversations with. And, and for the minute I've seen your page uh, with the new happy, I'm just like, oh man, like you, you are able to put into images something that I think my heart feels. And so often all matters of the heart kind of transcend the mind. Just tell us a little bit about new happy. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, yeah, um, so New Happy is this uh, philosophy, this idea that I came up with while I was a graduate student at the University of Pennsylvania. And it was really born out of my own unhappiness. So learning about things that I was doing that really I thought were going to make me happy like for example pursuing extrinsic achievement and goals all the messaging that I've received from my my culture from living in the U.S. from the dominant culture of the western world and I had followed this kind of prescribed path and I thought that at the end of it there was going to be this kind of like all the right things and hit all the check marks and things like that and Unfortunately, what I discovered is that's not true. It doesn't work like that. And over, I just kept seeing this pattern play out over and over again and seeing it happen to other people. And so I wanted to explore what a new definition of happiness might be, having recognized that how we define well-being or the good life or happiness has such a disproportionate impact on the actions that we then pursue, the behaviors that we take, the people we surround ourselves with. Um, and that's really how it, how it started. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I saw on your website, it's like we are unhappier than we've ever been before. Mm, yeah, it's devastating, right? Because we have so much. And really, like, I, I feel as though there is this kind of portion of individuals who, are, who have so many resources, who've experienced so much success, and yet they're, they're miserable. And they feel this sense of disconnection, of loneliness, that their life doesn't matter. And I feel as though just the simple message that there is a better way, that there is something that not only kind of cures those ills that we feel, but also in the same, at the same time makes the world a more beautiful place. And this kind of uncovering of this idea that when we serve others in a way that supports our own well-being, we not only make the world a better place, but we find lasting happiness. That was just this giant aha moment for mm. me. And I um, I feel very passionate about helping people to, to learn about that if that's something that connects with them. Yeah, and, and I think the topic that's really prevalent in our culture at the moment is self-love you know self-love self-care mm. and I, I saw that you were featured in Forbes and you talk about community care mm. I'd love to know what your heart behind community care is you know I it's kind of funny because I actually was really resistant to even starting an Instagram page for a long time because I felt so put off by the predominant discourse of um of, of, I think it would, you would call it like the self-love, self-care movement that was happening on there. And for me, I think that the way that we talk about it just misses this fundamental piece, which yeah. was um, best expressed by uh, many activists who were the ones who first argued for self-care when fighting for equal rights here in America. And the idea is that what is the point of all this self-care? Like, mm -hmm. Why are you doing it? And to me, the point of it 
and this is the dimension that I think is currently missing, is to be there for other people in the best way that you possibly can be, or to be, to show up in the world in a more compassionate, more generous way, and to make it, you know, to, to kind of leave your mark in a positive way. And so for me, that's what community care is all about. Obviously, taking care of ourselves is really important, and I think that it's come to the forefront for a lot of us over the last two years, but with respect to the second piece, I just think that we want to, it's helpful to keep that in mind because I personally don't think that lasting fulfillment or meaning or happiness come just from satisfying our own needs. We have to take care of ourselves so that we can go out and transcend ourselves essentially mm -hmm. and do things that go beyond the self. And so for me, that's what community care is all about. I love that. It's really powerful. And I, um, you know, I've been wrestling with the concept of self-love too here. I talk about self-leadership before we can lead others. And, you know, the, the kind of conclusion I've come to is we all know the phrase, you can't give what you've not got. And, and I try to flip it as I imagine how much you can give when you've got a lot, right? Mm, I love that. What a, what a powerful mindset shift, because I totally agree. And I think also that, um, Often in giving, we discover that we are the ones who receive more. Yeah. And that's been documented in hundreds of studies. When when we give, that when we give to others using our humanity, using our particular skills and talents, using what we've learned from challenging times in our lives, we are the ones who walk away fuller. And so again, it's I think it's just about having a more nuanced dialogue about these complicated conversations because what we what we want to recognize is that actually giving is a way of filling yourself back up. Mm. And again, I'm not, I'm not, not advocating for boundaries or like any of the things that are important that all of us are working on all the time. But I just think that we, we want to incorporate this element because we are relational beings. We live in a world where we are connected to other people. And the more that those connections get pruned down, the unhappier we become. And the sense of disconnection that's so prevalent and has certainly been exacerbated by the pandemic is, is only harming that. Um, and again, I think a lot of the ways that we talk about well-being on the internet are very divorced from what we see in the research and what we know really matters as, as a result of that. Mm. A minute ago, you said two words in the same sentence. You said a happy life and a fulfilled life. Mm. And um, I put out to my community that I was having a conversation with you today. And, and I said, did they have any questions? And my friend Jonathan said, is there a difference between a happy life and a fulfilled <laughs> life? Such a good question. So um, this is something that we, we talked a lot about in my, in my graduate program. So basically, um, the, there is there is something to be distinguished between the two of those, especially when you think about happiness as pleasure oriented. So when you think about like feeling good and having fun and those kinds of things, if that's how you define happiness, then there is, there is a big difference um, because a lot of times meaning in life isn't necessarily the most fun thing you're ever gonna do, right? It's, it's challenging, you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, you are perhaps dealing with pain and suffering, whether that's your own or other people's. Uh, there's just a lot more depth and complexity that occur with the pursuit of meaning with comparison mm -hmm. to the pursuit of happiness as defined in a pleasure-oriented way. And 
in the research, they break it into kind of this, these two distinctions of happiness. So there's hedonic, which is the pleasure orientation. Mm -hmm. And then there's eudaimonic, which is essentially more of the meaningful life. So what I'm really kind of interested in is I think that what if, if we define happiness as something that incorporates pleasure, but also incorporates meaning, how do we, how do we find the balance between those two things? Because it's certainly important to have fun and to fulfill our needs and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that as a society, we've over-indexed on the recommendation for the hedonic pleasure, fun-oriented side of happiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have, we have uh, potentially lost sight in some cases of the more meaning-oriented one, which does produce a greater sense of lasting fulfillment, a greater sense of resilience, of overall health and well-being, and all sorts of other downstream effects. Yeah, that was an epic answer. I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I've often referenced hedonism, and I think, I think that that hedonism makes self-care just simply for self-care's sake, right? It, yeah. it, there's no, if 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 I was to visualize an energy field, that would be an insular thing. Like mm. there would be some sort of circle with the energy going in, whereas what we want to oh, do really? is is create that. When did you first turn your hand then to this graphic design and and how did you start to articulate your ideas through your expression? Oh, well, um, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I used to work in here in corporate America and my, my reputation on my team was somebody who loved to make PowerPoints and it's still true. Like I love, I love presentations. I love making them. And I was, so I always really enjoyed coming up with visualizations of, of ideas and trying to convey information. Um, but I've never had any training as a, as a designer or um, as an artist, not just, you know, middle school or high school or whatever. And um, as I was uh, thinking about what I wanted the new happy to look like, I felt sort of, I mean, there's no really better way to say this than called or inspired to try to convey these ideas graphically and very simply and so I started to just play around with it and it took me a while to figure out what kind of my style was and what I felt worked and what captured it but it really comes I think from a place of tuning into how I how I would visualize or represent an emotion or a thought or a person or an interaction and then uh, trying to just convey that. And I have honestly been completely shocked that people like them and connect with them because they're just like, to me, they're just like, they were my weird little pictures, you know, like just something that I found very helpful as I was processing a lot of this stuff, thinking about, oh, like this is what gratitude looks like, you know, or this is how it looks to be kind or anything like that. Um, so really it was just a process of playing and joy and creativity. And, um, it was also just a really big refuge for me because, um, I, um, I was going through a lot of really major challenges in my life and having this outlet to create something. And because I was a beginner to do it in a way that didn't have anything attached to it um in comparison to like writing a piece or Mm. doing a talk or something where I felt like I had to reach this certain standard of excellence that would often paralyze me Mm. just like me messing around with photoshop or with illustrator or whatever and didn't really matter what people thought of it and in the process I 
was able to kind of discover this um, this way of communicating that again I'm just so grateful to connect mm. with people. Yeah, it's amazing. What keeps you in that creative state? Do you have to be intentional about creating a, a space and a place for you to do your best work? Yeah, really, it's about consistency for me. Um, like for the first, I think almost year of the new happy Instagram, I posted every single, I made something every day. And my wow. rule for myself was basically, um, it has to be done by 8am, whatever you have at 8am, you've got to post it. And then you just go on with your day. And it was just the repeated practice and the consistency that really helped me. Um, and then I started to slow down a little as um, as I was kind of dealing with these, these life challenges and needing to take a little bit of a break and a step back. Um, but I have found that for me, at least having a consistent practice, not trying to get it perfect, just allowing myself to enjoy it and focusing really on if, if I like it, if it speaks mm -hmm. to me, that's kind of my measure of success versus anything that social media tries to convince you is the right version of success, whether that's likes or views or shares or whatever it is. Um, mm. It's so easy to get caught up in that. And it, I have just, anytime it happens, it just destroys my creative output. Like it just puts a lid on it. <laughs> so I try really hard not to ever judge it in that way, um, which I know is kind of, it's easier said than done most of the time. How was the, um, creative process how has you sharing your own heart for this stuff kind of opened up things for you and your own opportunities mm. well you know it's ironic right because the whole new happy philosophy is share your gifts to make the world a better place mm -hmm. and I think that we are that that is always something that's evolving and there's always these opportunities that are presented to us um De depending on how we share and what we share and how open we are and everything like that um I mean it's been amazing because I, I left my full-time job and was um able to really devote myself to this I I've always wanted to be you know kind of harkening back to what I said earlier just by never being trained in it or ever having any education I've always wanted to be an artist and I've always wanted to um be to spend my days kind of like thinking and creating and so I get to do that that's such a blessing and um the other thing is it's just helped me connect with so many wonderful people who share these passions and mission and like yourself and so it's just it's been such a such a gift and opened up as you said these opportunities that I never would have ever ever imagined you know just a year or a year and a half ago that's amazing. Yeah, my audience are going to be sat here smiling because you're using words that that we use a lot here, which is I talk about heart and mind, and we mm -hmm. have a have a clear distinct. They all they both have different purposes. You know, the heart is to is to love, is to dream, it's to have values and stand for something. The mind is to learn and strategize, and and I think the two master keys, one for the heart is devotion, and one for the mind is discipline. And I think you've just touched on both of them. You've said the word devotion, you've said the words discipline. And even in the things that you say about, you know, using your gifts to serve the world, I have a word for that, and I call it heart work. It's the work of your heart. And, uh, and I listen to your podcast, and you start talking about courage and the root of the Latin word cur. Mm -hmm. It's um it's great to be having a conversation with someone I call like-hearted. And, um, 
what do you yeah. kind of take from from doing that doing something that you love because it, so many people through fear or many other reasons don't bring their heart into the world mm-hmm. how how would you encourage someone it's really scary like I would just first validate it it's really hmm. hard there's so many pressures so many messages so many people who don't get it hmm. and the first thing is just paying attention to that and also allowing yourself to feel the pain Mm. that's associated with that and the uh, emotions and any other kind of feelings or experiences that come up because when you do that you are giving yourself such a profound gift of of compassion and understanding that will help you on your journey I think that another Another important, more practical thing is simply taking a few minutes every day to do something that brings you joy or makes you feel more alive or, which I love, heart work, it's beautiful, um, or connecting with people who are lighthearted, again, just it's lovely. Um, because those are the things that help you. And one thing I've learned you can't think your way into this stuff, like going back to your mind heart distinction. You can't, you can't think your way into your next expression of yourself. It happens through action. And God, this was a lesson that like just like ugh, how long it took me to learn this, I'm embarrassed to say, but years, years and years and years. It was finally my my partner Alex who was like, just do something. Stop thinking about it. And just do one small thing. Like the new app you started as a newsletter to a hundred people, less than a hundred people. And that was four and a half years ago. And it was just because Alex was telling me to just share a little bit in a way that felt a little bit less scary, a little bit like just scary enough, right? Like just over the edge of scary. And so don't think about it anymore. Like you, once you thought, once you kind of felt your feelings, don't spend more time thinking about it because most of us, I think, struggle with some form of perfectionism or unrealistic standards for what we, when we're sharing our hearts. Because in my case, what I had in my heart was so precious mm-hmm. and so important and such a reflection of me, I felt like it was like bearing my soul to the world that if I, did it wrong, whatever that means, or if I didn't do it justice, or if I put something out there and somebody didn't like it, <laughs> like it was, it was going to destroy me. That was how it felt. Um, but your gifts are in you, but they are not in you. And that distinction happens when you put them out there. So you have to kind of pull the thing out of your body and share it and then it takes on a life of its own and if you don't do that it just sits inside of you forever no one knows about it mm-hmm. you don't feel satisfied or fulfilled so it's about like slowly extracting it and then the other thing is a lot of people myself included again this is all from my experience like mm-hmm. they think like oh once I share it like I'm gonna have nothing left like there won't be anything inside of me anymore and it's actually no like yeah. as soon as you share more stuff just appears it's like beyond every time I think I've come up with the last way to use a circle <laughs> to show to show what an image looks like 
I'm like, oh wait, like the next day something new comes up, you know? Um, so my my long rant summarized would be you like allow yourself to feel any feelings around it and then stop thinking about it and start acting. Mm-hmm. And then you can use your rational mind to get better and to apply that discipline that you talked about and all that kind of thing. But what's in your heart is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. It wasn't placed there by accident. It's supposed to be shared. And you are the only person who can share it. So whether you start today or start tomorrow or start in 15 years, it's going to be imperfect, but it's going to be amazing. And the sooner you do it, the better it's going to be for everyone involved. I love that. I hope that in a week or two's time, I wake up and I see that you've shared an image that perfectly captures what it means to be either <laughs> lighthearted or do your heart work or, or anything like that, or to lead with love. Like that'd be amazing if you could, Um, my wheels are spinning (laughs) good good i'd love it i'd absolutely love it um we talk about leadership here we try and help heart-centered leaders and um how do we encourage leaders to create the right environment the right culture to to create this new happy i think that a great deal of work with respect to leaders is walking the talk Mm. and then showing the talk So I think that it's pretty hard for a team to find fulfillment and um, satisfaction at work, let alone things like well-being and balance or integration, um, if a leader isn't committed to that. And Mm -hmm. so I think that doing work with leaders is so important and makes such a difference because it has, I, I think that it has the strongest impact on the the, the individual team members who are reporting to that or within that organization. And so I think that for leaders, it's about examining the ways in which they are living in alignment with what matters to them and what their greatest service is to the world. And then considering what they can do to support and elevate the people on their team. And the beauty of you know being a leader is that you have this kind of built-in opportunity to for a new happy, right? You have people who you're supporting every single day and what a profound responsibility and a incredible way to make a difference in people's lives. And um, I think that the other bit of this is modeling it, talking about it, sharing about the hard times, um, talking about what matters to you and how you found it and the struggle and connecting in that humanity gives your employees permission to do the same. So when I give talks at companies or, or speak with leaders, my, my focus is generally on what they can do to support themselves so that they can then be the best that they can be for others. And then the other thing, like this is a very practical thing, but it's something that really keeps coming up is slowing down enough mm. or at least quieting the speed and the pace of the pressures and the work in order to connect and to to be kind of fully human in the moment with your team because it's very hard to to do that especially with working from home or Mm. you know the the um the many challenges that so many people have faced over the last few years like just taking these kind of sacred moments to be with somebody and to hear them out or talk to them or share has this disproportionate impact 
That was an incredible answer. I um, want to be super respectful of your time. Um, I have one, one or two more questions. And, and mm. I guess yeah, a friend from our community, Jennifer, she's asking about happiness. Um, she's kind of coming at it two ways. One is it is it personal or universal? So is there, mm. a, is there a universal uh, definition of happiness or is it one that's uniquely personal? And then the second part to her question was, is it therefore internal or external? Mm. What comes up for you? Great question, Jennifer. Uh, both. <laughs> both. Um, I think that I think that it is my sort of argument is that happiness is there is this universal definition. However, I know there are always exceptions to this. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll say that like I'm I would be open to debating or recognizing that this isn't always the case for everyone, but that hundreds of studies and um, many philosophers and luminaries throughout history, religious figures, spiritual traditions have all come to sort of the same conclusion that um, happiness is you know being of service to the world in in some way, in a way that fulfills you and. Again, that was sort of like this kind of light bulb moment for me. But where it gets really interesting is that that inherently is completely personalized. So there's no one way to live that because all of us are completely unique. And so we we are all going to take these paths that are going to be totally different. Like, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people who like, oh, I really want to... Um, I really want to find this this path of service and thinking about, you know, do I need to like put my job and become a coach or like go study happiness or whatever it is. And what I think and what I tend to recommend is that actually that's completely unnecessary unless that's something that you truly feel is like your thing and what you want to do. You don't have to, it seems like there's this misconception that to help people, you have to be in one of those kind of psychological service oriented professions when in fact that's not the case you can serve the world being a biochemist and showing up in an amazing way for your lab and advocating for um you know better policies that bring in diverse hires and um through changing the world through the research that you do and all the like every single job in the world every single role in the world being a parent being a friend being a human being being somebody living in a neighborhood there is, there are infinite ways to do this. Mm-hmm. And the journey, the fun part is figuring out what your thing is. And so that's why I say both, because it's both incredibly personal and something that only you can figure out. And it seems as though the, we're all working towards the same kind of thing, but we're just all taking our paths. And so that kind of leads, I think, into the the second part of the question, um, it's it's this balance between the individual and the the collective, right? Like it's I, I do think that happiness is is paradoxical. <laughs> and the, this question like really, really uh hits upon that in such a <laughs> such a wonderful way. Yeah, I loved your um the paradox uh, that, well, that you posted in in October, these there's <sighs> these triangles pointed together because I, I do believe that sometimes leadership is about navigating the paradoxes of life. Totally, I agree. Like the 
And honestly, I, I find that so helpful because whenever I'm stuck, it's because I've anchored too much on one side of the paradox. Like, <laughs> and it goes, it goes back to what I said, what we were talking about earlier about self-care versus community care. Yeah. If you're yeah. just on one side of the paradox mm. and you're just taking care of yourself and you're neglecting the other side, well, not going to work. And vice versa, if you're burning yourself out and you're never taking time to yourself because you're um, working so hard and pushing yourself too much, well, you're not going to find a happy place either. And so the the irony is like how we navigate these yeah. paradoxes is yep. is really how how our well being shows up on like a day to day basis. And yeah. um, I have found that to be like probably one of the most <laughs> useful tools for myself was, in terms uh, of thinking it through. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the two that really kind of trigger me is the uh, the expect mixed with accept. Oh and like oh. control mixed with surrender it's like i used to be you know back in the day mindset coach control what you can control to, mm. the, to the point it brought me too much pain because there was so much uh. stuff beyond the control so it's learning the paradox of it is what it is versus it will be what i make it <laughs> oh oh my god honestly i have goosebumps hearing you say that because those are those are so hard for me too like mm. it is especially because we've been taught like and again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but speaking from my own experience, yeah. I was certainly taught that when you're the, you know, master of your fate, you know, yeah, Invictus, yeah. and you can, if you set a goal and you do the work, you will get whatever you want. <laughs> and then, you know, life happens. And actually you realize that that doesn't work sometimes. Like mm. I, um, uh, my my partner Alex came down with a rare neurological disease four years ago that has left him completely bedbound, unable to do anything mm. for himself, unable to speak. And I didn't expect that. <laughs> like I didn't, I certainly didn't think that this would be something that I would have to deal with when I was just in my twenties at the time. Mm. And coming up against this brick wall of like oh, actually, like, you can't goal your way through this. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't set goals and push through, like, you can't, uh, you can't just continue to, like, kind of um, decide that you're in charge and that it's mm -hmm. your mindset that's the issue. Like, no, actually, like, that's, that's not always the case, as you said. And mm. um, I think that that is something that whenever we come up against one of life's curveballs, we're, we're being asked to kind of confront that. And then go through the very hard process of sorting through like this is in my control and like this all massive pile is not in my control and how do I accept what's not in my control and it's all very very challenging um and something that all of us have to go through at some point um yeah. so thank you for sharing that, that well thank, thank you for sharing that that was um really appreciated and really profound and um I, I could speak to your day, my friend. We're clearly very like-hearted, <laughs> like-minded, and um, I, I love the work that you do. I love the courage that you have to share that with the world. So thank you. Um, I'd love to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Mm, I think it's about showing up. You know, the for me, um, as I've learned so, in so many different venues, I've learned it with Alex, I've learned it with the new happy, I've learned it with my own well-being and mm. practices and things that have mattered to me. Um, just show up. Like our job is to show up for ourselves and to show up for other people. And when you do that, you do actually end up becoming 
better than yesterday. And I also think that that is the pursuit of being a better human is about, in my mind, character cultivation and choosing whenever you have the option to incline just a little bit towards being more compassionate, being wiser, being less judgmental, being kinder, whatever it is that you're being more patient, more accepting. Mm. And character is not something that is set in stone, nor is it nor is it something that we're born with and that we have to live with and that is a case it's something that we can cultivate and shape ourselves based on our activities and being better than always better than yesterday is about to me cultivating that character taking whatever the events of the day that are presented to me and then using them to help to become uh the a better version of myself mm. uh, and i think that that's a very worthy pursuit for all of us so thank you for the work that you do <laughs> thank you so much uh what does 2022 hold in store for you oh gosh i don't know i'm like really <laughs> i am in a take it day by day like minute mm. by minute kind of space in my life and so um again very different for me than how i how i used to be about five years ago and so i think that for me it's allowing whatever arises to arise and trying to meet it with you know um with compassion and mm. um beyond that i truly could not say truly <laughs> could not tell you um and i hope that there's and, peace in that yeah yeah there is and there's there's certainly at least the uh the opportunity to learn how to be more peaceful <laughs> so that's what that's what i um that's something that i find yeah you know i, I find it challenging and so it's been certainly like a, a practice for me um so yeah seeing what seeing what comes up and taking it one one step at a time love it well i hope we get to have many more conversations next year me too. and uh, really enjoyed it thank you so much for your time be honored i'll share all your links in in the in the show notes and I'd be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. No, oh, just you're listening to this. Like, thank you for being an awesome, amazing human. Hmm. Like, have you celebrated how amazing you are today? Uh, have you been like kind to yourself and thought about something you did well? If not, I would love to invite you to do that because you are wonderful and you deserve to feel that way. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. There we go, episode 154 with Stephanie Harrison, the founder of The New Happy. It's an amazing conversation. I think you can just tell sometimes by the energy that I bring to conversations just how aligned I am with, with the guests. And, and Stephanie is absolutely a like-hearted human. I love her work. I love the way that she has courage to bring her creation into the world. And just those answers that she gave around happiness. Is it universal? Is it individual? Is it internal? Is it external? and how leaders can create cultures of uh, new happy it's um really really enjoyable conversation i'd love to know what has stood out for you please do screenshot share take share us your 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 favorite one-liner and feel free to email ryanbhartley at gmail.com as i say uh, tag and share us on social really really appreciate you listening all the way to the very end i hope this has served you well feel free if this is the first time to go check out the other 153 incredible human beings we've had on the show 
and I look forward to sharing space and time with you again very soon. Always love, my friends. Thank you.